Hello. This month on the Place Labs podcast, we're exploring the hyperlocal. As the pandemic has accelerated many trends towards more local thinking and living, how do we ensure our places and communities are fit for this new or renewed hyperlocalism? Here to discuss this with me today is Professor Peter Rees. Peter was the Chief Planning Officer for the City of London for nearly 30 years. During his tenure, he oversaw the transformation of the square mile, both in its physical appearance, with the eastern cluster of skyscrapers redefining the skyline, and in its appeal to attract hard-working and hard-playing talent. Peter has long been an advocate of local places, and now a professor of places and city planning at UCL's Bartlett School, his basic philosophy is make better places and stay in them, which we will discuss shortly. Peter Rees, welcome to the Place Labs podcast. It's very good to join you. So Peter, just so our listeners get a feel for where you're calling in from, what does local mean to you? Well, local, of course, is a concept which one has a great chance to reflect upon during a pandemic. Uh, I'm sitting in my apartment on the 27th floor of a residential block uh, on the northern edge of the city of London. Immediately to the south of me, I have a, a population of about four and a half thousand people living in the Barbican estate. And uh, surrounding that Barbican estate, the city financial, the central business district of London and a global financial centre. So local for me is a rather complex thing to define. Obviously, there's the local in terms of the five-minute walk to my nearest supermarket for my weekly shop for groceries. There is the less than five-minute walk to the nearest underground station, um, less than 10-minute walk to a mainline station at Liverpool Street, uh, and a little over 10 minutes, perhaps perhaps 12 minutes walk from the River Thames. So this shows that I'm in a rather unusual local. I'm in a very central location in London. And therefore, my view of local and what I can gain access to on foot very quickly um, is perhaps a richer mix than would be normal. But everyone will have those sorts of parameters in their mind when they think local it is basically around where you could walk if you had to. I mean, for instance, my office over at University College in Bloomsbury is about a 35-minute walk away, just over two miles. And that's something I feel comfortable doing twice a day, to walk to and from work, clearing my mind. Um, there is a little bit in the middle of that two-mile walk which... I perhaps wouldn't regard as local. So the local is um, is like a set of circles almost with a radius that you define temporally. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I, th I think most people think in this sort of way, whether they're aware of it or not. People will mentally draw circles on a map to look at properties within a five or ten minute walk of the underground station because they believe that the connectivity to other parts of London is a considerable enhancement of their quality of life. Now, if you're bringing up a family, you will be equally concerned to draw circles around good schools. Um, you'll be concerned as to local facilities for shopping. And all of these things combine, if you like, to, to create a sense of localism. You will then add to those circles lines to represent frequently taken journeys, like your daily journey to work, your workplace. Uh, and it's that sort of a, 
uh, an either co- a conscious or unconscious set of mental diagrams that forms your picture of what is local and what is distant. So, but is there, in your opinion, is there also more to local than just your immediate physical surrounding? Is is it something about amenities, about people, about ties? So maybe if we move into a diagnosis of place, what are the problems or the issues that you think we're facing with that concept? Well, one of the uh, downsides of urbanization, and of course it's an irresistible force and indeed uh, has scope for uh, much that is very positive in human life, but one of the downsides is that populations become more transient, that the populations in a particular neighborhood of a place like London tend to change quite rapidly. There will be people arriving from other parts of the world, people arriving from other parts of the country, simply people moving from other parts of London in order to be closer to their work or to find a better apartment. And this produces a great churn of the population in the neighborhood. And therefore, it's very hard to talk about community in the way that you can in a rural village where uh, people and indeed their families have been present for, for great lengths of time and they have knitted together into that wonderful word community. So in the urban setting, we tend to have people looking at what they can take from the neighborhood rather than what they can contribute to the neighborhood. You will have people who will be living in one area, working in another, constantly traveling around London for entertainment and um, interest, and perhaps only seeing their local neighborhood as a place that they sleep uh, in an extreme case, rather than looking at it the other way around of saying, this is where I've chosen to live. What can I contribute to the local community? Um, Am I growing food? Do I have an allotment? Uh, Do I spend time working for local community groups? Do I take an interest in development projects to the point of making observations when a planning application is proposed? These are the sort of things that mark out a sense of belonging in a community, a sense of participation. Hmm. So I suppose, okay, so the the diagnosis that that you're putting together is, first of all, too much movement, too much transience, lack of attachment maybe, and essentially just consuming a place rather than co-building a place. Yes. I mean, it's very important that we all realise, and I'm constantly trying to educate my planning and architecture students in this. It is not architects or planners that make places, it's people that make places. It's our job as professionals to help them to make places better and to make places that will provide them with a more fulfilling and happier life. But if people themselves are not interested and look on places as something to consume rather than something with which to, in which to participate, then we're obviously going to get a degradation of places. An extreme, um, Venice, uh, a, a city destroyed by tourism, where people in their hundreds will leave a cruise ship to spend maybe up to three hours in Venice, seeing it purely as something for their delight, a toy to be played with, to be consumed, and then discarded as they get back on their cruise ship and sail away, It is um, another consumer product, not a place, not a community, but something to be used up and then just discarded when they leave. 
That might be an extreme example, but we can find uh, similar cases all around the world. Smaller areas of cities like Circular Quay in Sydney, which again is plagued with cruise ships. Uh, Oxford Street in London, where people come to consume not only the products in the shops, but the very place itself, drop their litter, head off home and think no more about it. So what I would like to see is people engaging much more with their local community, participating in its improvement, participating in helping the less advantaged, in improving the surroundings, and then spending more of their time in it to enjoy the work that they have helped to achieve, rather than rushing off to Luton Airport to get on a cheap package flight to some other place in the world to consume that during every possible opportunity that they have. I'm not against travel, but I would like people, when they do travel, to travel more meaningfully to tra- and to stay for longer. If we could have more people travelling for more than three weeks, they would actually make a contribution to the place they visit. They would actually start to choose favourite places and frequent them. They would frequent the sort of businesses that cared about returning custom rather than the average tourist who is there for a few hours or a few days, who goes to a bar or a shop once, and the people running that business don't care whether they impress the people or provide them with good service, because they're never going to have to see them again. Mm-hmm. So if we if we back up a little, um, so I said in my introduction that you're, you're an advocate of make better places and stay in them, which is essentially what you've been describing. How do we achieve that? So may, if we take that into two steps, maybe, the first half, make better places. What does that entail? Who does that? So you said it's not planners, but do planners, can they facilitate it? Can they, can they encourage it? Or are there also circumstances that mean that we don't make better places as a community? Well, it's, of course, as with every problem, the solution is often considerably more uh, difficult than the diagnosis or the cure is more difficult than the diagnosis. There is a part for all sorts of levels of organisation to play in this. It amazes me that national governments and indeed international groups seem to be so encouraging towards cheap travel when it does so much damage. Uh, You can see that there are some areas where politically it is very popular to be saying that you're increasing tourist uh, income from tourism when in fact a better solution to the economic depression of your area would be to improve technical education, where instead of encouraging vast numbers of people who don't particularly care about your place to come from other parts of the world and consume it and leave a small part of their money behind, you put your resources into the technical education to ensure that your young people have a set of skills that make your area more attractive to business, that you you have an area where industry is more likely to locate, where you have a knowledge base, rather than simply people who are given a very basic education uh, and encouraged into a modern form of slavery to serve the needs of the, uh, the, the moneyed tourist from elsewhere. In terms of the individuals tackling it from the other end, it is important to try to develop an interest in recreation which is creative, which is productive, rather than simply consuming. And I give an example. Um, if you go away, for instance, for a week 
um, to study playing a musical instrument or painting pictures, or if you give up some of your free vacation time to work with a local community group um, or to replan a garden and grow food. These are all things where you're having a complete change from your normal daily existence, your normal work. You're re recreating yourself and feeling refreshed at the end of it, but you also have a sense of achievement and you've given something back. You've contributed rather than simply consumed. So I'd like, on the one hand, us to be encouraging holidays which involve more participation and, on the other hand, discouraging the simple political expedient of using tourism as an excuse for hiding economic depression. Just to be devil's advocate, is that something we can encourage from a very privileged position? Because not everyone, I suppose, can afford that sort of that sort of holiday. Or if they are, if they have quite hardworking jobs, and and sometimes they just want to just disconnect and not give back, not go somewhere where they have to worry about that effect. Is is that something we can encourage? We can facilitate. We can we can help with. Uh, well, there are a number of ways we can help. First of all, we could. Uh, change the great disparity in cost per mile of travel between local travel and more distant travel. Uh, the fact that it's actually more expensive to take a vacation in Great Britain than it is to fly off to somewhere very distant is um, something which is the result of various policies. It, In a strange way, the lack of subsidy of travel within the United Kingdom from central government is being more than overtaken by the money flowing out of the country to other destinations. So a government thinking it's saving money by not putting as much as it um, could into subsidizing public transport is in fact weakening the economy by encouraging the flow of money overseas. But equally, uh, the lack of educational opportunity which we offer across the community has impacted greatly on the way people spend holidays. Uh, in a time when for a large part of the community the only way to success is to dream of becoming a footballer or a, a media influencer, uh, it's little wonder that people have little better to do with their time than sit on a beach when they have free time. And this brings me back again to one of the biggest tragedies in modern society, and that's the lack of technical education. There is a huge gap between what people are able to garner themselves off the media, which is horribly pulped and sugared, and on the other hand, the opportunity to go to university, which is always going to be a huge step above for many people in, in the community, whether for economic, intellectual or whatever other reasons. But in, we have a gap in education in between those two, which means that an increasing proportion of our population are unaware of the opportunities that life offers. They are not given the opportunity to develop musical skills, to develop artistic skills, to develop practical skills that can be put to community benefit. Um, they have only their dreams and their cheap package holiday. And, and I think it's um, not just an elitist thing to say that we, the elite, have deprived a large part of the community 
of the opportunity to express and develop themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a geographical diversification of opportunity that, so that people can can see that opportunity where they live and don't have the sense that it's either not attainable or they have to move to London for that shot. Yes, uh, people are traveling further and further and gaining less and less from it. Mm. So that's something in terms of the stay in them element that we, because we've been talking mainly about holiday and tourism, that we also need to move towards um, just professional and personal life that we can live more locally as well. Okay, uh, we don't have that much time left, but I was wondering if we could briefly assess the current um, pandemic. Have have you seen any good outcomes from it that might lead us in the right way? Because it's often said that that it's accelerated existing trends. Is that something you agree with? And if so, what specifically? I believe that uh, a few cities around the world, London is one of them, New York is another, have for some time been leading the way on combining work and leisure. You think of the way that the 20 and 30-somethings have for over a decade now behaved in areas like Shoreditch, where the workplace and the place of recreation become almost the same. Uh, They expect to be able to mix their recreation with their work through the day. And this is actually something very that is very productive. It helps with team building. It keeps people fresh. It keeps people more creative. And it's therefore been no surprise to me, just even before the pandemic, to see those trends, the WeWork generation, if you want to call it that, spreading their activities across the central business district, the City of London. So I don't believe that the pandemic will change the way cities are used simply because of the pandemic. But I believe it will hyper-accelerate those trends which had already taken place. People will work more flexibly. They will come to the office for creative purposes when they need to bounce ideas off each other. And of course, they will want to come to the office because for many young people, the office is the centre of their social lives. That's why it's mainly the young rather than the middle-aged with families that are keenest to get back to the workplace. And I was very impressed on a recent evening walk around the city for exercise through the deserted streets to hear laughter and shouting coming from a nearby street and to discover that the city pubs were just as frequented by the young people who normally work here who were coming in in the evening to meet their friends. This, of course, was before the current lockdown, but they were coming back into the city, even though they were no longer working here during the day, to have that networking and that social contact. That shows what central places are all about and shows that although we need to have our local local, we also need to have a more distant local. But I suppose then the the city of London, the square mile itself, has historically been built as a almost a, a commute into work place. So does that fit with your conception of stay in a place, of of live locally, work locally? It does, absolutely. Because when I talk about localism, I don't talk about people having to have a single local, a single community. Society is much too complex and sophisticated for that these days. And it's quite common for people to have different localities with which they're associated and to move between them. But what we need to encourage is that people move between those localities only when they need to, when there is a particular purpose and when they will be contributing something at the locality that they arrive at. Um, So however many locals you have, you should have a meaningful connection with all of them rather than simply 
to go consume and dispose. So if you had um, just one wish, just one call to action that we as listeners can take on a personal level or professional in our own lives, what would that be? Love your place. Love our place and give back to it. Absolutely. When you love somebody, you you do give back to them. Wonderful. Peter Rees, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Julian. This has been Extra Material of the Place Labs podcast, exploring the theme of hyperlocal. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, we're keen to hear your thoughts and responses, so please do share them on our Instagram, at placelabs, or via our website, placelabs.co.uk. I'm Julien Klein, and on behalf of the Place Labs Collective, thanks for listening. <laughs>